Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, welcome to Hardcore Listing, your weekly podcast about top fives, where we... Christopher Glass and Stuart Whiff and often just get together in a sweaty room in Essex and bang out a top five, um, often of your choosing. So we sometimes have guests on. Today is that day because Stu Whiffin can't make it, so it's left to me, uh, the better one, as we all know, uh, the chosen one, Chris Glasson, to um, hold the fort this week, because Stu's currently in Spain. He sent me a picture last night about 1am of him lying naked in bed and he's already burnt like a frazzle. I don't know why he's sending me pictures of him naked in bed when his wife's there, but, you know, to each their own, as they say. So this week, I am very lucky to have... Well, if I had a top five favourite people, this person would probably make the list. Thanks. Yeah, probably. It's my cousin, Robin. Hi, everyone. And I'm going to leave my introduction at that again because I still don't know how to introduce myself. No, that's fine. Well, we started recording it, but I got something wrong that I shouldn't have got wrong. And we're going to leave it there. Um, so, yes. Unless you get it wrong again. Unless I get it wrong again, then we'll just have to, um, <laughs> have to roll with it. it. And time. now I'm absolutely shitting myself. So, I'm, no, I'm, I'm fine. So... Before, Robin, we uh, dive into your choice of top five, and I have been really wanting to get you on for so long, um, and since we were hanging out this weekend and Stu's um, being lazy, we thought we'd do it in your flat in Ipswich. I don't know why he doesn't just do a podcast while he's on holiday. He could do. I think that's pretty lazy. But his wife and kids are really boring, and <laughs> um, we've had really bad feedback about that. So um, so just some shout-outs. 76, the main guy for producing and mastering this. Thanks, mate. Um, you, you know, he's mastering producing a lot of podcasts these days off the back of uh, doing hardcore listing. And um, so go and tap him up for all your audio or aural needs, not your oral needs, Still go to Stuart Whiffin for that. Um, yes, and also to our, um, our wonderful sponsors, Love Beer and Bam Boom Creative. Yes, uh, Luke at Bang Boom for doing all the wonderful videos. And then obviously um, the wonderful, wonderful Charles from Love Beer, our longest running patron, loved us from the start, and we love you, Smelly Wood Kid. We will be having those two on the, uh, the show very soon. For a corking episode, we're going to have our two sponsors on. Let's hope one of them at least stays with us following that. 
I think that's the intros out of the way. I could shout out the Distraction Pieces Network. Not gonna. You know Pip, you've met him a few times. I have, I have, yep. We had a we, nice guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy, I guess you have to say that. Uh, we had a little, <laughs> we went round his house and had a little board game once, didn't we? We did, yeah, that was um, pretty epic. Um, and pretty short. It was short, because he was doing really... Oh, it was short, wasn't it? It was. It was probably the funniest board game I've ever we, played We were in, in tears, weren't we? Yeah, I was, yeah. Basically, because Pip's run of luck was fucking awful, wasn't it? Pip spent his first turn in a hole in the ground yeah. and didn't leave that hole in the ground for the rest of the game. Oh, no, he was in that hole in the ground for the whole game. He was. That is very weird. He, was he had get... to walk across a uh, precipice. Yeah. And there was a plank of wood going across it, and his character had to balance across that, and he failed the test and just fell in the He fluffed it, and then he spent the whole board game in the, same, in the same hole, either fighting rats. It was always swarms. And I think like every rats, turn bats. just went badly for him, every single turn. It was and I, the worst turn. And that was it, because it was all going really well for me throughout it, and then yeah. like just I took a turn, and then I just rolled some dice, and he said, oh, guess what, you're dead. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, so, yes... So we do like a, a, a board game and a, and a, and a, a nerdy gathering. We do. Um, I guess we could one day do top five board games would be um, a great shout. But alas... I think half of your listeners would leave. Yeah, and they, never they would come back. They would die out. Do you know what? <laughs> You'd actually be surprised. I get messages um, on Facebook about all the games that I mention. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are like, yeah, no, I'll play that, man. So, yeah, it's, it's like that one thing, isn't it? I've always said, like, people, like, hide their... Like so they're like their gaming sort of like addictions, like they hide their pool mags. We don't. No, we, we don't. just get on with it. We just crack on, don't we? Um, I sent that like in retaliation to Stu sending us a picture of him half naked last night. I just sent him a picture of the board game we were playing <laughs> and said, "This is real hot stuff." It's a drunken soiree in the within. Christmas Stu. Present our core listing, the podcast. So, well, we talk. I just said if we you do a top five board games, we should probably talk about what your top five is going to be today, hun. Yeah. So, what what have you gone for? So, for today, I have gone for top five confrontations or standoffs, and I think we've narrowed it down to just movies between the two of us. That's right, because we sort of you you had an idea. You threw. We'll talk about your other options in a minute, but. You threw that at us, and then we started doing a bit of prep last night over yeah. a few gins, and no, it was rosé, wasn't it, last it was night? Oh, about three bottles very of rosé. Um, classy, here in Ipswich, it's how we do things. Um, we realised that doing just confrontations, and you didn't reduce it down to, say, film, it got, it's really difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it's so so in terms of confrontations, what do you what do you mean by confrontations? What are you looking for? How so is your top I five? didn't want to have it so that it was just violent. So mm-hmm. I wanted it, it could be verbal, but yeah. it, it was a scene where one or more people kind of stand off or face off against one another and there's a there's a, a really heavy kind of vibe to it. It's something that feels important, it's something that feels substantial. And um, so yeah, definitely not all actually because I wanted to stay away from things where people just having shootouts and going yeah. at one another. And but it's it's so easy to have done that. Isn't yeah, it? no, that totally is... easy. Yeah, when I was researching them, there's so many that I could pick out that were just from like westerns yeah. or you know so many gun scenes or fighting scenes. Yeah, but... yeah, 
but I wanted to shy away from that. That's it. Show that we don't just watch violent stuff, <laughs> right? Just mostly. Yeah, we're we we you know we're we're cultured people. Um, so yeah, so that's what we start with confrontations in film. But you did come up with some other other good top top fives. Can yeah. you? Yeah. So we've got. I think because we've got very you know we hang out a lot, so yeah. we've got very similar tastes anyway. Mm-hmm. We get quite geeky and quite nerdy. Yeah. But um, so I think the other one I might have gone with was kind of top five sci-fi futures. Yeah, I really love that one. And like maybe if we got time, maybe we'll do another bonus episode of that because. Explain that then. Is that is that like is that? I don't know if I'd want to keep that to just film because yeah. I think there's no. a lot of different. So basically, like you could be thinking about things like kind of the the future of Star Trek, yeah. the future of Star Wars, yeah. but even things like um, one of my favourite films is Serenity, which is quite a kind of hodgepodge uh, yeah. future. Yeah. yeah. So lots of things like that, but I think the depictions of it. There's a lot of good sci-fi depictions that exist yeah. outside of just film. Yeah, so definitely. I wanted to kind of include books and comics and things. Yeah, like for that. sure. I mean, like a lot of the best books then went on to be films anyway, mm. um, which is obviously where I discovered them because um, I don't read. Um, I've got a phone call here. I'm so <laughs> tempted to answer it because it's probably another sound call. I think and... you should answer. It. Oh, shall I? Let's Go just see it. what I've got. I bet, I bet it'll be a boring one. Hello. Hello? Hello, good morning. My name is Ken and I'm calling from Virgin Media and... Ah, uh, uh, hi Ken. looking for... Hello? It's a bad time for me, Ken. Sorry, I know you guys have been phoning me quite a lot recently. Um, but can we speak on Monday? Or Tuesday? Not, not a problem. Thank sir. you so much. Right, but don't, don't worry, sir, because right now, sir, I'll be making this big for you. Okay, thank you. All right, thank All right. you. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. Well, I'll see you on Monday. All right, not a problem. Bye. 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 That was such a letdown. That's actually, that's actually, that's what you get at Hardcore Listing, folks. You get me answering sales calls for my internet provider. Um, basically, it's because recently we've had some real giggles. Me and Stu and Pip went to record with Kate Thornton the other day, and we were in Byron Burger. Um, other burger restaurants are available. Maybe. Incidentally, I criticised them for picking a burger restaurant um, because, we're, um, you know, obviously I, I would never eat a burger now. It's destroying the planet. Um, and we, I had a cold call there from someone just doing market uh, gathering and I said, uh, sorry, um, you know, you'll have to speak to my carer. And the person said, your wife? And I said, yes. And then I passed it on to Stuart who went on to just, you know, take this poor girl around the houses for about 10 minutes, including spelling his name out to her and do it, uh, impre- doing an impression of a woman and spelling out his name as V-A-G-I-N-A and then getting her to shout out the word vagina, which, yeah, was great. I was, ho- I was really hoping it would be another sales call like that. But it wasn't. So where was we? This uh, science fi- sci-fi futures. Sci-fi futures. And I was saying that I've never read a book. Yeah. So hopefully we can maybe go back to that. Mm-hmm. Depending on what going. But we're on top five confrontations. We are. So shall we just just fly into it then? Um, do you want me to go first? That way, your number one is going to be like the. F- that's okay. how we, that'll be like the um, yeah, yep, the piece de la resistance. So. Um, and this only doesn't work out if my number five is your number one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it will be. So but... I went with uh, Goodfellas mm. and Joe Pesci, 
as Tommy DeVito. Yes. When he switches yeah. in the in the uh, restaurant when all the other good fellas are sat around him. Um, I think it's he's with Jimmy, obviously played by Robert De Niro, and um, he's telling a joke. No, it isn't. It's it's uh, it's Ray Liotta's character. That's right. Tells a joke. Yeah, tells a joke. Henry laughs, and then uh, Joe Pesci sort of switches on him, doesn't he? What yeah. stuns me about that is Joe Pesci is so terrifying and intimidating. Even though you wouldn't normally think that he'd come across like that outside Goodfellas, like no. he's not necessarily the not necessarily that kind of actor. No. But the what he is the way he kind of turns on a dime and yeah. he takes that the fact that someone is laughing at him yeah. just takes it so personally. And I think in life you do meet those kind of characters, yeah. people that you don't understand how they're going to take things yeah. and they just switch their personalities just go click and yeah. switch and it, it's a fantastic scene because he's just so scary yeah because it's unpredictable when you're working with people like that I'm going to slightly close this window because I can hear some sort of I think it's a duck or another animal is screaming outside your window and we had nothing to do with that one the wildlife of Ipswich I've no idea, no idea what that was, but there we go. No, I completely agree. People like that are, unpre uh, are are scary and unpredictable. And also with Joe, he's so tiny, isn't he? He's not mm. a big bloke. Not at all. But in, in reality as well, I think people... I think if someone's mentally strong or, or seems quite dangerous, I think in the real life, People can easily be threatened by that. You yeah. don't have to have a physical presence to be intimidating. No. They often say there's gentle giants out there, and uh, you know. And on the flip side of that, you have like sort of like these the smaller people who are quite ferocious. Absolutely. And yeah, he is pretty ferocious in that. And he's then Tommy in um, what is it, Casino? And he's fuck. He's probably even worse. In, I don't know. He's just a vicious piece of work in both of those films. Um, but I love that. I love how, like, you know, going back to that scene where he's he keeps asking Ray Liotta why that's funny and why it amuses him, and that, that, am I there to just amuse him? And everyone's face just fucking drops, yeah. doesn't it? And the, 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 just the mood. Because when someone gets a bit like that in real life, they're giving you they're giving you no out. They're giving you no room for. Um, Sort of like a charitable answer to your behaviour. Yeah, I normally associate that kind of thing with confrontations with people when they're drunk. Mm. And at that point, someone takes something a certain way and then there's no reasoning with them. And like yeah. you said, what's scary about it is it doesn't matter what your explanation is, it doesn't matter what your reasoning is or any of your logic, it's not going to go into that person. Yeah. They've just adopted a certain mindset. But at least... When they're drunk, you can kind of understand it because of the circumstances yeah. around that. Yeah. But when it just happens and someone just turns on a dime mm. in kind of normal company, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that must be terrifying because yeah. that, that completely blows your mind. Yeah. You're like, where the hell is this coming yeah. from? Yeah, yeah. I did used to date a girl who was not predictable mm. in her behaviour and we could be in a restaurant and she would do exactly this. And I would spend f like five minutes being like, oh, no, no, no. It would it'd be utterly innocuous. Yeah. Or like, I'd go, I'd be in a really good mood because I'm looking forward to see her. I'd show up and then she'd be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Honestly. And I'd be like, no, nothing. I'm in a great mood. And then for five minutes, there was no, nothing I could say that would ever get us out of, we were falling into a, into a, I could feel us 
drowning yeah, in her emotional, direction. Uh, her, her, you know, what, what she was going through emotionally. And then after five, ten minutes, if I hadn't pacified it or walked away, I would then end up being the arsehole that she had said I was to start with. Because she'd start saying things to me as well. I'm like, where the f- this isn't yeah. even, I was happy, I've had a great day. <laughs> And now you're you're destroying like picking apart my character, mm. and then it'd be a horrible argument. But that's scary. Like when you know that you can't reason with someone. Yeah, there's and, no way you're getting through it. Yeah, and that's why I like that confrontation because it comes from laughter, and hence why it made my top five. So well done, Joe Pesci for being. Uh, he, he's not. Uh, what, what's that funny movie? He's, well, he's obviously in Twins. And what's the one? My cousin Vinny. That's the one. Cracking, was he it? famed? Like I don't really know much about him as an actor. So before he was in Goodfellas, what kind of actor was he? Gonna be know? honest with you. I mean, I could literally. I think he was originally one of the Ewoks. <laughs> um, was he R two D two? He was definitely one of those. I think you're making that up. No, no, no. And then I think he was in the. He was in the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as an Oompa Loompa. So, guys, if Brilliant. you... Brilliant. That's, that's great research that you've Thanks, done. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. If, you, if anyone disagrees with that, just uh, write in. Yeah, Joe Pesci. He also wrote a rap album. Have you heard any of it? Have you listened to it? No. It's unbelievable. It's I don't fucking... see... I can't tell now if you're being no, obnoxious I'm not, or not. I'm not actually making that up. After your joke yesterday YouTube, about the YouTube or whatever. Oh, yeah. What was it? Yesterday at work, I, Robin asked, do we want to get takeaway? And uh, I said, oh, we could get, um, oh, I've heard of this new low-calorie takeaway called Dust. <laughs> and you started looking it up. <laughs> I had to Google just to check, even though I did think you were being obnoxious. Yeah, and was, you were. I'm full of shit. Um, yeah, so check out his rap album, folks. It's uh, available in all good record stores. <laughs> so that's my number five. So um, it's on you. What you got? What you got so my number five. Um, I was struggling between two, um, between two scenes, and the other one is definitely going to be an honourable mention. Okay. But my number five is Heath Ledger's Joker oh. versus the Goons in the Dark Knights when he sat at the table opposite all oh of those gangsters. God. I mean, I say Goons, but Goons is the wrong term um, yeah. because they not like they're not like low life henchmen. No, they're no. the they're the top yeah. of their yeah. of their various parties and gangs. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that scene where he's just sat and it's just him and it shows you almost what a kind of, in an insane way, what a confident character the Joker is. Like how powerful he is as a force because anyone else in that situation would be intimidated by being sat at a table with, what, I think there's like 10 guys around the table or something like that. 10 mob bosses. It's underneath a restaurant, isn't it, I think? Yeah, It's in in like the kind of um, chef's area or something like that. So anyone else would be terrified. You know, you're, you're in a big city, you're in Gotham, you've got like the ten ruling crime lords yeah. of this city, and who are you? You're, you're a fucking nobody. Yeah. And you're sat at this table, and Heath Ledger just owns that scene. He commands all of the fucking attention from these guys. And then he just does the best magic trick ever. I've seen. I've tried repeating it. <laughs> tried repeating it on family members, but... That is it doesn't great. go down too well. No. It's not a great family party trick. That is such a good one, Rob. It's I'm brilliant. so gutted. Yeah, I haven't thought, uh, thought of that. Because it is, it, it, he's... Oh, man. Well, we were talking about it on... A, we've recorded a top five the other day, and it was like opening scenes in movies. And and Heath Ledger, the Joker in that, 
he's just so intimidating. He's he just a total force. He's yeah. a force to be reckoned with. He is. Like, I think the whole film is them trying to catch up with him. Yeah. You know, he's always one step ahead, isn't he? And he's mental yeah. and he doesn't care. And I think as much as there's that conf that confidence comes from, I think he's as happy dying in that room yeah. as dying anywhere else. Yeah. And I think that it's that, like, carefree, devil-may-care attitude that gives him that power and that confidence. That pe that pencil trick, There's every time, <laughs> the first time you see him stick that pencil in a fucking table and then do that, it's just like, it's powerful. It looks vicious as fuck. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's something that's, that, like I was saying earlier about not wanting violence in the confrontations, but it's something that's so simplistic and yet, Utterly, utterly violent mm. in the way that he performs the action. There's mm. no gore, there's no blood, there's no, no mess. No. It's just a very quick, the guy's head gets slammed down on the table yeah. and then he's dead. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it, you really feel it. Yeah. Like, Definitely. you could imagine being in that person's position. Yeah, it's so good. And it, like, it belays, like, although that's a crazy thing to have done, it also belays that the Joker's actually quite fit, a physically capable Absolutely. person. Yeah. You know, he's like he's psychotic, but he's got that a bit of psycho strength in him, hasn't he? And he does in the comics, and it really is a tense thing. And like, because there's the guy that they're trying to like, who's going to look after their money on the TV, isn't it? Mm. And he's like, I can, I know a squealer when I see one. Yeah. And um, I don't know, just how he acts in that. <laughs> it's it is in terms of superheroes, he might he, he's got to be. I think he's got to be my favourite supervillain in terms of any of the movies. I thought Jack Nicholson's Joker was excellent. Um, and there's been yeah, some I other loved, decent ones. I love the original Joker. Yeah, so I thought the, it was great. The first Batman film, I still think, really stands yeah. up. It's very campy, so it's almost closer to the... Because it's, uh, it's Tim Burton, isn't it, yeah. the original Batman yeah, yeah, film? Yeah. So it's got those Tim Burton yeah. vibes running through it. So it is a very campy film. But yeah. I still love it to bits. It's still an excellent film. Yeah, I mean it, that was still in the sh that was still probably in the, the aftermath of like the I mean that was the nineties, but still the most clo the closest one of the closest things to that would have been the TV show, which was campy as yeah. fuck and and brilliant. Um, but yeah, Heath Ledger's performance in that as a villain, I, there's not many better. And it's I, I've said this before. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. I don't think you'd have thought it was as good if he was still alive because he he basically. Really, to to put on that good a performance, he had to completely get lost in that character, yeah. and then as a result, he wasn't sleeping too well. I don't mm. think even after it, and um, and that was it. it and kind just, of changed him as a person. Yeah, death by misadventure. He probably would have shaken it off, but he just accidentally took too many sleeping pills, wasn't it? And that was fucking that. What tickles me is that, like, I love the MCU. There's been a lot of great films yeah. in that. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Avengers films, all yeah. of that. How much further before that was the Batman trilogy? Like 10 years or something like that? Christopher Nolan's trilogy? Yeah. yeah. No, and yet none of them are capable of... like Thanos is compelling in certain ways, but he is very much a character that I love to hate. I yeah. don't quite agree with the way that he comes to his right. motivation. Yeah, of course, yeah. Whereas Ledger's character, Ledger's version of the Joker, because he is just this force of chaos, mm. he... He is the, he's just an amazing character. He plays it so well. Yeah. He plays off of this Joker's. He doesn't need a, he doesn't need a specific motivation. He's there just to watch the world burn, yeah. as I think um, 
Michael. Alfred says, yeah, yeah Michael Caine. I think that's such an important bit of exposition is that that scene with Kane and um, and, um, and and Batman or Bruce Wayne to explain what his motives are. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think MCU have done a villain like it. I don't think any of their villains comes close. It's difficult. I really did like Fan. I'm going to say that. I thought they did. I think they did him right. But I think the the, the thing that like that original Batman trilogy's got is that it. It always feels kind of real and gritty. Yeah. Like, you know, there's not a lot... There are special effects in it, but we're, you know, probably the budgets are quite, quite different in terms of the CGI use. And, um, well, and, I and think it, the nature it always the, feels grounded in reality. I think the nature of the characters as well, because you're not getting... Because they're not getting the rest of that kind of DC universe involved. They're not getting Superman yeah. involved. It feels like... Batman always felt like a character that without any of that surrounding cast of superheroes feels like a guy that could almost just exist yeah. in your city, even more than people, characters like Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Of course. He feels like someone that, given enough money, and I mean, I know he couldn't, given enough money and motivation. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. He could exist yeah. in London or Why something. Why the like fuck? <laughs> it's like you see all these rich pricks, right, and they drive gold-plated Lambos or they land helicopters on trains for lunch. Yep. Why have why has one of them not just lost their shit yet and become a superhero like yeah. that? It's it's annoying. Where's Iron Man? Where is Surely Iron Man? Surely Elon Musk has got the money by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he's got the plans. He's just screwed them yeah. away somewhere. That's it. They're yeah, hidden in a vault. Let's just keep our fingers crossed. I think <laughs> either superheroes or aliens are probably the next fifteen years away for us. Yeah. I think so. Let's just keep our fingers crossed on that shit. Um, good number five, mate. So Thank I you. will go to my number five. Which again, this is so. I love this. This is one like we were saying uh, before we were prepping. You norm, you normally think you've got a good idea what's in your top five, right? Yep. And then I write it all out, and then I'm like, right now I'll do my internet research to see what I've missed. And I saw this one, and I was like, I couldn't not put it in because it's so. Because in many of these instances. Like sometimes the the, the uh, and and for my you know my top three that the confrontation's expected it's anticipated a lot of the time right, 
Um, but like the first one with Joe Pesci wasn't expected. He just switches. And on this one, it's confrontation between one person who absolutely has no idea and wants none of it and another person who is, an, is again, is a psychopath who has just literally just come out of the blue and is, is about to change this person's life in a second. And it's the scene, have you seen it, in No Country for Old Men? Yeah. With Xavier Bardem and he just walks into the fucking shop. Yep. And he's got the fucking cattle um, uh, prod thing. What's that called that kills cattle? It's a cattle st- uh, stun or... I don't know what they'd call that. It's that gas canister thing yeah. that they fucking kill cattle with that just pops out that little it, metal yeah, rod. just goes... Bloop, through the side of the head. Through the side of the head and it kills people. And he's already, in the start of No Country Five Men, killed people and commandeered their vehicle for no fucking reason mm. at all. Like, he's just... he's just Someone's walked up to him, he's moved their hair slightly away from their forehead and just... And oh, yeah, because it's a really... It's really kind of portable isn't it it's almost like you could almost conceal it like it's not like he's carrying this huge pneumatic weapon around with mm. him it's actually quite a small weapon that he's using yeah yeah but i mean again it's not small it's not as concealed as a pistol it's no. still a, a gas he's still walking around with a gas canister yeah. in his hand and which is a weird thing to be walking around <laughs> with and he just goes into that shop and he's asking if that someone else has been in there or something along those yeah. lines and the shop owner sort of I think he sort of pies him off a little bit not in a super rude way but he's mm. like disinterested and stuff like that and then Xavier's like right no I'm gonna make a big deal of this mm. and just how he acts the menacing behaviour he's like the conservation of his movement he's not like super animated is he he's no, not like oh no. like a like an over-the-top bad guy, you know, which you could say Heath Ledger, Ledger is right as the yeah. Joker, right? He's, he's the complete opposite of that. And he's very conservative with his movements, but there's just the small gestures he makes as he moves closer towards the counter. And it literally climaxes in him saying to the guy, I'm going to flip a coin, I want you to pick heads yeah, or tails. That's right. And the guy is like, well, I don't want to. And he says, but you must. And the guy says, well, what's in it? And he says, everything. And you know that he's literally going to fucking kill him if he calls it wrong. I just think he's just absolutely beautiful. And it's a beautiful scene that, you know, comes from nowhere. That that poor sod behind the counter is not not expecting and probably doesn't really realise that today he's going to meet someone where on a coin flip of his life it's going to be taken away. Mm. And I think how they act that scene and how tense it is, is just, it's just absolutely brilliant. I, I love No Country for I Old need Men. to, re- now that you've yeah. said that, I need to re-watch that <sighs> film. And what that scene reminds me of is, is it's almost, again, Xavier Bardem is, he plays a character that's psychopathic yeah. and utterly ruthless, but there's no, similar to Joe Pesci, there's no, it's not shown externally on no. him. You wouldn't immediately think that he was, a thuggish or, or a brute no. or violent in his nature. No. It's not until he suddenly develops that menace yeah. that you can that he then kind of exudes it and, yeah. and you can kind of feel those vibes. But yeah. what what's interesting about that scene as well is there's parallels with um, with Fight Club when yeah. they do a similar thing with the guy about getting him to choose the direction in his life. Yeah. But on the one uh, hand, yeah. you've got Xavier where it's it's really menacing and really ruthless whereas in Fight Club it's almost done even though the setup seems there's parallels and they seem similar and that they're 
going to involve potentially quite violent activities. Yeah. It makes Fight Club's version seem almost quite friendly yeah. by comparison, yeah. like a really perverse self-help group. Yeah. But yeah. ultimately they're trying to help you, whereas Xavier is just going to play play fate and just see which way it goes. Yeah. And if fate says you're going to die, mm-hmm. he's going to kill you really, really ruthlessly. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, that, so, yeah. He, he, um, he's got his own code. Yeah. His code just isn't tra- a traditional code. Absolutely. But he sticks to it yeah. religiously. And, I, I, you know, it, it, there are contrasts I've read online of, like, the contrast between him and, and capitalism in the West and how everything he does is th- th- there has to be money involved with it. And uh, like even at the end when he has that accident and he gets fucking run <laughs> over and he's fucked mm. and he, he, re- he refuses to not let the boy assist him without giving him money and, and stuff like that for the bike. And it's fuck Yeah, it's just, it's epic. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time, but um, it is, it is goddamn, goddamn brilliant. And who's the other actor in it? Who, who played? There's a lot of links, a lot of similarities here we keep running into. There's the guy who plays, um, I, c- I can't remember his name. Yeah. He's in but Deadpool, he's, yeah. he, he plays Cable. Yeah. And, and he plays Thanos. He's also Thanos. Yeah. And, his name and he's the bounty always, hunter, isn't he? Yeah, Josh Brolin. Yeah. Of course it is. That's the first movie I see Josh Brolin in. Mm. No, it isn't. He's obviously in Goonies. He's the fucking big brother in Goonies. Of course yeah, he is, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, like he was the first, that was the first time I'd seen him in a long time. And I didn't know that he was the brother in Goonies. I didn't watch him go, oh, you see, that's that the brother in Goonies, isn't it? I'm such a cinephile. No, so that's my number four, mate. Anthony Chigura, played by uh, Xavier Baden. So, who you got? My number four is from Kill Bill. Ah, oh, yeah. And it's The Bride versus Orenishi. Oh, my God. Their standoff in the kind of Japanese yeah. garden with all the snow falling. Yeah. But what really sets that off for me yeah. is they, they have their chat at the start, and I can't remember exa- exactly what gets discussed, yeah, yeah. but it's when they actually kind of adopt their fighting stances yeah. and then um, misunderstood the the track oh, starts yeah, playing yeah, in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is just perfect. Yeah. And I had that stuck in my head as an earworm for so long after watching that <laughs> film. Every yeah. time I heard that, like, it was, it went into playlists on my phone. Yeah, yeah. Every time I heard it, I could visualise that scene. It was yeah. just fantastic. It's so well executed. And it's, it's just brilliant. Well, that, that, like, so that came into my uh, special mentions, obviously, Kill Bill, because there's so many standoffs and mm. confrontations in it, isn't there? Like, is it, does it show feature anywhere else in, in your list? Um, no, it doesn't, no. I mean, Although I was tempted, yeah, yeah. definitely. Because all of, all of them, like, like, for, like the fights between even her and Coppermouth at the start, yep. in, in the fucking house with the dagger fight, is amazing. And the kid shows up and they're hiding the knives behind the fucking cornflake boxes. That is epic. To um, her final showdown with with Bill, obviously, and then the crazy eighty eight, crazy eighty eight, which is, is which brilliant. is the one I wrote down because it's just insane. What a choreo! choreo so is crazy eighty eight actually on your list? No, it, it was a t- it was an honourable mm. mention. Um, but Kill Bill was just full of it, and that scene with Oranichi. I love the fact that I lo- love Lucy Liu in that. I love the little anime like bit where they yep. switch to it, and it's her doing the hit on that guy. I thought that's fucking amazing. And then that sword fight is so good. It's very, very um, in the sort of like traditional sense of like a lot of the Japanese sword fights in the movies mm. where they sort of like both run sideways, don't they, through yep, across the it. snow. And then there's those moments of silence where they fight and it, it is so good. And you can hear like the water, that little water dipping bucket just That's filling it, up going and reloading. Yep. 
and the snow falling, it's just beautiful. And what I love about it is it would have been so easy because he'd already done the exaggerated sword fights yeah. against the crazy 88. Yeah. It would have been so easy to have like almost a kind of Darth Vader, Obi-Wan yeah. scene with, well, maybe not Darth Vader and Obi-Wan, but a sword fight with lots of kind of shenanigans going yeah. on and lots of flashy movements yeah, and things yeah. like that. But instead, yeah. he goes in the complete opposite direction. Yeah. He goes, here's a very traditional Japanese yeah. scene and yeah. this is going to be like the, the kind of Japanese movies yeah. of old. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and instead he goes in the complete opposite direction. He's like, I've done the flashy bit. Yeah. You've seen that with the crazy 88 bit. Yeah. Now I'm going to show you something that's really quite kind of delicate almost yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. kind of balanced in the way that they fight one another definitely uh, it, it is it is one of those ones and i'm trying to think because I, I didn't actually do um in this i didn't go for like the, the, the samurai sword fights from from all the movies like have you seen oh that was it takeshi and no, that was it called um zatoichi no, which is about the black blind, blind samurai and uh that's fucking that's so good the sword fights in that are tremendous because some of them are long some of them are over in seconds, and it's all about how they stood before they drew the swords. Because they say in samurai fights that like most sword fights lasted about two seconds because mm. it was literally from when you draw, a bit like a gunfight. Yeah. And if you could draw quickly and effectively, that might be the fight over. And um, so Zatoichi is fucking awesome for that. And it's, it's um, I can't remember the bloody the, the, the actor's name. He's in a lot of shit though. He's in um, he's in um, Battle Royale. He's the 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 the, the, the teacher. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um. He's in a uh, Ghost in the Shell. Oh God, he's a really famous. Yeah, Takeshi, that annoys me. Yeah, but... that's what. No, it is Takeshi. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's a, a brilliant actor. Yeah, man. He's Watch Zatoichi. It's brilliant. really good. And it has loads of those sort of standoffs. Really good. Um, you mentioned in Ghost in the Shell there, yeah. I love, like, yeah. I could talk about, we could probably both talk about Ghost in the Shell for yeah. ages, but yeah. I love him in his version of Aramaki. Yeah. Like, Aramaki in the animated yeah. version and in the comics is, is kind of a different character. Yeah. He's a lot more, he's, he's smaller framed for a start, yeah. and he's kind of a little less imposing. Yeah. But I really liked their choice of him yeah. for Aramaki oh, in Ghost in the Shell. I think sure. he worked really well. Don't send a rabbit to hunt a fox. <laughs> yeah. Fucking very cool, very cool line. Um, yeah, so, no, totally, I love that. And I, I love um, Aranishi. I love how uh, Tarantino cast that. And that last sword fight is really good. And then her last line is, because she doubts that that's a... Uh, 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 Hattori Hanzo Hattori, sword. Yeah, she, yeah. Doubt, she doubts that, doesn't she? Yeah. She says that's not a Hattori Hanzo sword. And then, obviously, how she gets, uh, gets a new haircut. Um, at the end and the last line is that that truly is a Hattori Hanzo sword or something like that and you see what what, what, um, what the bride's done to her mm. and it's just like yes that's very cool yeah have you got any out of curiosity have you got any other Tarantino films on your list uh, I've got lots of them for uh, honourable mentions yeah and, and, and I'm, I actually, I'm the same I actually removed like I've got um, yeah I've got, I've got a few. Fucking the thing hell. is, the guy, the guy does confrontation really yeah, well. He, does. he just, he's got a mindset for it, and it actually, when you think about it, it comes up. They're kind of hinging points in his films yeah. so much that, yeah. like, there's a lot of amazing scenes that you could mention from Tarantino films. But I just, there were, there were scenes that meant something to me that kind of just edged, edged him it, yeah. out. It's almost like. There's too, there's too much to choose from. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, so shall we do some special mentions? So I've got Inglorious Bastards, the scene in oh, the fucking tavern. <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Um, the Christopher Hans, is oh, it? I can't remember his name now. Or, no, um, no, Christopher Waltz. 
Walt. Uh, uh, no, Christopher Hans, uh, I think. Christoph Waltz. No, yeah. it might be Waltz. Might uh, be I'm, Waltz. Gonna, I'm getting the. I'm yes, Christopher Waltz. I'm getting his character names yeah. mixed around. Yeah, yeah. Real name. But he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's also got what's his fucking chops in the English bloke. He was in uh, Prometheus as the android. Uh, one of our guys. He was in um, Shame. He was in Fish Tank. Why has his fucking name gone off? People Michael? screaming at me. Yeah. Um, Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. Yeah. He's in that. Great. Fucking smashes it. That's yeah. a shit hot scene, that. But the, t- the, the scene where they're sat at the, in the um, bar, yeah. all around the table, again, another fantastic... Yeah. And it turns of... out that they, he belays his... Uh, they, uh, they blow their cover just by how he does a hand signal yeah. of how they count. It's fucking really... The scene when Christoph walks at the first, uh, start walks into the house and they're hiding under the floorboards. Mm. Fucking when the uh, bear Jew goes with the fucking face. I was going to say the bat. bear Jew. Yeah, that just that build up where you you just feel so sorry. You've got this like unnamed Nazi guy yeah, yeah. who's just on his knees yeah. watching this long tunnel that just seems to go on forever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. all you hear is this. Dun, yeah. Dun, yeah. As he's just walking down the tunnel. It's fantastic. It's Tarantino does the build up to yeah. those scenes. He does them so well. Yeah. Yeah, man. Any other Tarantino shout-outs you want to do? We could do it forever. Um, Any ones that... We could do them forever. Even silly little things like um, when... uh, We're going to be playing the name-guessing game again. Um, What's-his-face is sat on the toilet and Bruce Willis walks in. Very short confrontation, but it's just brilliant. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. The poster pops up and you're just... And that's it. Tight Travolta's out of the fucking game. And he was yeah. built up, that's like completely unexpected yeah. because he was one of the main characters. Yeah, really good, mate. Really fucking Reservoir good. Reservoir Dogs? Yeah, well. the Mexican standoff yeah. when they're all pointing the guns at them at the end. But that's not the only, there's, there's a few in that again. Jesus Christ, before uh, Mr. Bl- um, Mr. Blonde's going to fucking hack the cop's ear off. Mm. That's fucking brutal. Yes, very good. Who's that? Was that your number four we just did? I, I've absolutely, I think. You, oh, Irene it was Kill Bill. Was, yeah, Irene she was fine. Very good shout, very good shout. So my number three is horror, and uh, actually it muscled out. I do think, it, I think it muscled out the Res- Reservoir Dogs Mexican standoff. Um, this is the thing, and in the original, the confrontation is the scene where no one believes that Kurt Russell is not the thing, and he's been running around mm. outside in the Antarctic, and he manages to break in and get hold of a fucking flamethrower. <coughs> and it's so tense mm. because he was gonna. If he stayed outside, he was gonna die. He's going to break and get out of a flamethrower, and then he's basically said he's come up with a way of knowing who the thing is mm. by doing the blood test. Yeah, and that scene is fucking tremendous in terms of atmosphere. They're trying to, they, they, you know, if they get the thing off him, they'll kill him. Mm. Um, and he's already, I think he's already shot someone in the head. One of the other guys who literally was a fucking um, innocent. Yeah. Who actually just rushed Kurt Russell and he shoots him in the head. And during the blood test scene, they test that dead guy's blood and he's not the thing. And they go, fucking, how does it feel like to be a murderer? Mm. And, but it's like, you've seen what the thing does, how grotesque it gets. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So every time they put, they heat up that stuff. So for people who haven't seen it, you really need to watch the thing. It's, it's to, it, to me, it's in my top five horror movies of all time. It might be number one. It's tough. It is probably number one. And I watch it every year and I ne- I'm never disappointed and I know it all, but the suspense and how they do it is just, is perfect. And this scene, they have to test each other's blood because they think the alien's in one of them. But 
what they do is they heat up a bit of copper wire, yeah. don't they? And then they dip it in a Petri dish of everyone's blood, mm -hmm. which is all labelled. And the idea is if... Because all the cells of the thing act independently, <coughs> if the hot copper touches the blood, the cells will try and escape it. from it. Yeah. And so as Kurt Russell's sort of like warming up this bit of copper and then aiming the flamethrower at everyone, because he doesn't want anyone to run off, does he? Like mm. They're all tied to fucking chairs. And as he goes through it, every time he dips it in the blood and nothing happens, they cut them away from the chair, don't yeah. they? And it's brilliant because a lot, the other person they think it m must be is probably the captain. And um, when they finally do the captain, his line is fucking amazing. And, and there's so much tension. And the captain's sort of like tied to this sofa with the other guys. And he says, you see, I told you. Now, if anyone wouldn't mind untying me from this goddamn fucking chair. <laughs> And like, it's just so funny because he's so stressed out. Mm. And then obviously they do that, but then it all goes, it all starts to go a bit pear-shaped again. For me, that scene has got, well, the thing is ultimate suspense. It's got body horror in it, mm. great acting. It's got Kurt Russell, which automatically it gives you like out of 10, it gives you, you start with a two out of 10 when Kurt Russell's in a movie. And, you know, so a six out of 10 is actually an eight out of 10 because I love Kurt Russell in, in fucking everything. Um, yeah, so the thing, man, I just I just think that the, the standoff there, and the very last standoff's quite cool as well. I don't know if you can remember how the thing ends, but they're both, it's just him and, um, oh, what's his shot? What's the actor's name? Sat outside in the cold, and they're basically going to die, and they don't know if either, each other's the thing, but they're too tired to fucking know, <laughs> and, um, and it just ends like that. But there's loads of theories on how you know what one of them, if one of them's the thing. Right. And you can go down a YouTube hole on it and it's fucking wicked. And there's two very obvious, there's two, there's three things in it that sort of like let you know who might be the thing. Oh. Fucking really good. Um, but you've got to have watched the film a lot to, either, you know, I, I, I got it from one thing. Um, all I'm going to say is, well, I'll, I'll say it, it's their breath. One of them, they're out in the Antarctic, and one of them clearly, when they're breathing, is the steam's coming out of their breath because they're out in the cold. Mm. And one of them, you can barely see it. Oh, really? Yeah, but I think they tried to film it like that as well. But you can still see the other person's breath only ever so, only ever so so subtly in the, the shadows. And I think that was just because they were trying to cancel it all out. Well, that must but be they, quite a hard yeah. thing, especially with the special effects at that time. Yeah, That'd yeah. be quite a hard thing to edit out. Yeah, they couldn't. So, like, they, they did a good job of that. But there, there's another trick, like the cameraman and how they did lighting in that film. They went to the meticulous effort of doing it so that lights would reflect in the thing's eyes. Every time you look at the thing, there's always a glint oh. off it. But you won't really notice mm. because it's so subtly done. And there's that. And there's the other thing. I'm giving away a lot of this, but... <coughs> In, if you haven't seen the thing already, I'm, I'm really sorry. I've, close I've, your ears. I've a lot. Yeah, close your ears. You're just cursing me now. But fuck me. If you've been listening to our podcast and you haven't <laughs> listened, watched the thing yet, unforgivable. Um, during the, towards the end, um, obviously, uh, Kurt Russell's um, character has been using Molotov cocktails to destroy the base. And in the end, like when he sat down with uh, the other guy, he's got a bottle of whiskey on him. And he says, do you want a sip of it to, to the other actor? And the other actor just swigs it fine and Kurt Russell chuckles. And people say that what Kurt Russell was giving him there is actually a Molotov cocktail concoction to see 
if the person drinking reacts to it. Reacts to it. And if he doesn't, he knows he's the thing. Mm. Because any human being would have gone, that's fuck it, you've got petrol in there. Mm. But because he doesn't, Kurt Russell now knows he's the thing because the fucking guy didn't react to it, acted like it was whiskey. Oh. So it's fucking is really, really cool, man. Really good movie. I haven't seen the thing in ages. I yeah. it's a brilliant film. Yeah. Absolutely. But I am not a fan of body horror. It makes me really squicky. And even yeah. now, yeah. the way the special effects were done on that, because if you yeah. watch like um kind of breakdown videos on it, yeah. and it's yeah. all animatronics and yeah. puppetry and things like yeah. that, yeah. but it was done so well yeah. and yeah. some of the monster movements, yeah. like the when the guy's head, head yeah. comes off yeah. and detaches and yeah. grows the, and it's that makes me mega squicky. Screaming, yeah. It really does. Do you know what I'm not really either? I'm not a big body horror fan. I'm well, I wouldn't say I'm a fan. Mm. No, I like like but there but I think strangely, because I'm not, but that was done so well in the thing, mm. is why it's never left me. The mm. bit where he goes to do the fucking resuscitating. Oh that, god. That yeah. I remember because I first watched the thing, I didn't really like horror movies as a kid. But I did see the, the thing relatively early and I remember seeing that and I was absolutely fucking terrified of what I saw there. So it really did push all my all mm. my buttons, but it never although it, it it terrified me, I somehow managed to return to it in, in, in the years and I managed to just about cope with that. Whereas like I don't really wanna go and watch more other body horror stuff. It's mm. really not what I'm what I'm into. So yes, the thing mate. That's my number three. What you got? My number three is a non-violent confrontation. Yes, go for it. It's between Al Pacino Great. and Robert De Niro. Yes. And it's in the film Heat. That is what and muscled it's when out. they're in the restaurant. Yeah, it's brilliant. That's what my that's what the thing muscled out, I just realised. <laughs> oh, it's 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 so amazing. It's a brilliant scene. It's a brilliant scene. And it's what I love about it is the characters themselves, they're two, you know, you've got a policeman that's you know, he's in a relationship with his wife that's on on the down, yeah. it's going downhill rapidly. Yeah. Um, you know, he's always at work, he's yeah. always trying to capture criminals. It's become you know, the, the job it's the typical story of the job has become the life. Yeah. But so he's on this downward hill in his marriage. Yeah. He's got a daughter that's just gone kind of a wall, you yeah. know, she's she's kind of, again because her father's not around, yeah. and then you've got a, a a kind of criminal played by Robert De Niro, who is just kind of you you get the feeling that even though it's it's the one thing that he knows and he's really good at it, he's kind of tired of it, you know. Yeah. It's, he, he wants that one last big score so that he can actually go and and pursue his disappear. dream and disappear and do something else yeah, with yeah. his life. But he knows that he's got to do that one big score yeah. to get yeah. there. And so you've just got this scene where the t I c can't remember exactly how they end up being in the restaurant, but they end up sat down, the two of them facing across from one another across this table and just talking about their lives. And like Al Pacino's character, Hannah, I think, explains, you know, how bad his relationship is and the fact that his relationship with his wife is, is kind of disintegrating because of the job. Um, because he spends all his time hunting arseholes. Because he spends all his yeah, time yeah, hunting yeah, arseholes. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's the way they just talk a bit about their lives and their yeah. dreams. And it's the way that it starts off as, you know, there's no music to it. Yeah. It's very much just the sound of these two actors yeah. talking and the background noise of the restaurant. And then gradually um, 
I can't remember what the track is, but one of the tracks kind of creeps in delicately in the background yeah. as, the, as the kind of scene comes to a close. And it's just fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic in every way. And I would say that um, they kind of give, I made a note of it on my phone, but they kind of give Al Pacino the best line. So even though Robert De Niro yeah. finishes the conversation, yeah, yeah. Al Pacino gets the best line, and it's it's where he says, um, "If it's between you yeah. and some poor bastard whose wife you're going to turn into a widow, brother, you are going, going down." Yeah. and it's just yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, because Pacino's more ferocious in it, and De Niro mm. plays the cool cool character, yeah. doesn't he? It's so fucking good, and it's like, yeah. Um, well, it, because the build-up to that is not just because of the movie scene, is it? It's mm. because they've never done a scene together mm. before that. Yeah, yeah, there was a huge so, history. Yeah, so like they, they, I think they tried to make it work prior, and it mm. hadn't, and obviously these are two people, especially within the criminal gangster genre. They were at the like, top genre, of their game. They were, you know, they're mm. just too cool. You're mm. looking at a guy who's played fucking Scarface, who's... They've both been in amazing roles within The Godfather, yet never mm. acted with each other yeah. within it. Um, you know, De Niro's been in Taxi Driver, good for all, all the good fellas. It was just one hell of a thing. Macaulay as De Niro's character, they set up. You know, there's a, there was a, a, a European armed gang who, and the leader of it, nicknamed himself after his nickname was Macaulay. Oh, I don't and know. I don't know if they ever got caught, but they've done like most of the big in the last thirty years have done the biggest uh, armed robbery heists that. Up until about ten years ago, when I was big, like I was obsessed with heat, hadn't been caught, mm. and um, and you, you always get that because De Niro's character very much is very, very, very methodical and calculating, Absolutely. much like he is in Ronin, which is another shit hot movie. Mm. Um, but he basically says like the reason why it's called heat, and really that's De Niro's downfall in it. Really, is because he always says like you know if you can't drop everything in thirty seconds when the heat is around the corner, that's it. Yeah. Then you've, you 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 you're not you shouldn't be in this life because mm. you've got to detach yourself from everything. And he's getting sick of that. That's why like you feel like that relationship De Niro's building with that girl. Like you can see that maybe he's tired of that. Mm. That's um, like again. That's like he's one last. It's it's that yeah. again that old man vibe and it's yeah. it's the guy pursuing his dream yeah. like you said his dream in, involves yeah, yeah. not living that life yeah. anymore and yeah. actually finding someone to settle down with yeah. and he's almost teetering on the brink of settling down yeah. with her like yeah. through the film he's building up this yeah. relationship with this woman that he really starts to care for yeah. but at the same time he's got this like you said he's got this mantra drilled into his head yeah. which is yeah. when you're when you're doing a job yeah. 30 yeah. seconds, you've got yeah. to drop it. You yeah. can't let yourself get yeah. caught. And he actually says, when he's sitting down, he says, I'm not going back. No, exactly. I'm not going back in the slam. I'm never going back. And Because and, you don't know what his past is. You don't mm. know where he's come from. But he's obviously become very proficient at it. But mm. you have no idea. And I think a lot of, like, you know, real-life criminals as well, some of them, like, a lot, many, many are just very, either stupid or they come from very bad backgrounds, but they have grown up into shitbags. Mm. And I think there are others who... You know, it became like uh, it was almost. They didn't feel like they had a choice for some, some, uh, for for one reason or another, and then they become conditioned to it. And I think he very much as you know he was, and I think he's now seeing the that he doesn't want to be that anymore. Mm. But he, the reason why he loses and Pacino wins, spoilers. Um, <laughs> Cover your ears, people. Fuck me, the film's been out twenty years. <laughs> You've not seen Heat. You're a an idiot. But it's because he. He can't live by his own rule in the end. He, mm. he was gone. 
He 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 escaped. He escaped. He escaped. Yeah. He had escaped. They wouldn't weren't going to be able to catch him. All he had to do was jump on that plane. Yeah. But he couldn't not go back and kill that bloke who'd fucking ruined the yes, job. Yes, no, I forgot. Yeah, so yeah he, absolutely. Like, he, he pulls back off the interway, mm. highway, to go and fucking pull Do the fire alarm at the, the guy, hospital. Yeah, the guy who splits on him. Spit, yeah, because yeah. he, he couldn't let it go. And, um, yeah, and that's it. Ultimately, he gets caught. And then there's confrontation at the, again at the airport, at the end of the airport. Mm. And you don't know... Genuinely, you don't know who's going to walk away from no, that. No, Because they've built, they've done the right thing, they, like, they took the time. Is that Michael Mann who did that one? I think it might be Michael he, Mann. He, um, he took his time in building both the antagonist and the protagonist properly. That's why that film's long, but no one gives a shit. Michael Mann, yeah. Because they didn't, because you, you're happy with the characters. They're interesting enough that a two and a half hour film you, you want to stick with. Yeah. So that climax, you don't know who's going to walk away from it. Mm. Because you like... Kind of like both yeah, of them, you've obviously. Grown to, yeah, you've grown you to know, like both characters. There's good people. and bad in each of them, mm. you know. And in the end, Pacino comes up top. Just luck of the draw, really, because De Niro has the drop on him, but that light off that plane, if that wasn't there, he might have, he, he wouldn't yeah, have got he away with it. it. But yeah. Pacino's, you know, fast enough to fucking, smart enough to, to realise, shoots him. And then you have that wicked bit of music as like yeah, De Niro my, fades away. One of away. my favourite pieces of music, I think it's by Moby, and it's like called God Over the Water so, or something yeah, like that. It, and yeah. it, it's a very gentle, atmospheric track. It's absolutely yeah. beautiful and it suits that scene. So Especially at the end when he's just... What's, what's lovely about it is when they do the restaurant scene, it kind of allows the characters to get to know one another. So, you know, before that, before that line that I gave by Al Pacino earlier, he, said, mm. he kind of says, you know, even though I've met you, so mm. it's kind of, like they, but they've become familiar with each other. We they could don't, be a couple no, of regular old Joes. Yeah, they're not, there's no hate necessarily. Yeah, no. And he's like, even though I know you, if I do need to stop you, because I'm haunted by these yeah. dreams from my past, yeah, yeah. if I do need to put you down, I will. Yeah. And so there's almost a kind of kinship, a kind of respect between the two characters. Yeah. So that at the end, when, when um, De Niro's character's dying, yeah. And he's just kind of breathing through a chest for yeah, the blade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Pacino's character just takes his hand yeah, yeah. and holds his hand while yeah. he passes away. It's just absolutely Fuck beautiful. It is so good, mate. Talking of confrontations, the shootout that oh, they have down the street is fucking amazing. You were saying holding hand, I was thinking, how can we not mention yeah, that? it's brilliant. That is one of the most one of the best shootouts. Oh it's my God. I don't know if anyone's topped it. I don't, no, I, honestly, no, I don't know if anyone's topped that in terms of bank heist, and there's a lot of good ones to go mm. with. Like, the town had a good a good go at it, with um, bloody uh, Ben... Um, oh, bollocks. Ben Affleck. Yeah. And Jeremy Renner. But, like, like no, I don't think... They had a go at it at Miami Vice. There's a great scene in Miami Vice where they do a raid on a... No, I'm, talk, I'm not sure if that's Miami Vice. True Detective. Have you seen the raid on the, like, um, the uh, meth den in True Detective? I still haven't seen True Detective. Fucking up. The first one. <laughs> Actually, both of them are great. I really did like both of them. I think the third one's on its way. But the raid on the meth, it's like a meth den on True Detective is fucking the bollocks. It's so good. It does give the heat run for money, but ultimately the heat, heat done it first. And it's like, basically, they're walking along, and I, I don't know if it's Tom Sizemore or if it's Val Kilmer. Uh, I don't know who he is who just turns and starts fucking shooting, mm. or if it's De Niro, but they know that that's it, and the cops are on them, they've mm. got the drop on them. And that is just one fucking... That is just amazing, that shootout. 
And again, it's, because it's how so they've done tense. it, you don't know who's going yeah. down. You have a good feeling that maybe De Niro won't. But then again, by that point, you're probably well into an hour and a half into it. So mm. if you haven't looked at running time, you might have no idea that that might be the climax or not to the yeah. movie. So, mate, the, the Hate as a film, that, that could have its podcast in its own. It's, it is tremendous. And a lot of my friends back in, like the, the, uh, in when it was released and for 10 years after that, Whenever they said, what's your favourite movie, people would say Heat. And good for good reason. Mm. It's a cracking, cracking thriller. Brilliant film. Yeah, it is. Natalie Portman's in it, by the way, as well. Mm. Which, uh, is... Yeah, plays the daughter. She does. Hey team, apologies for the vinyl scratch. Uh, this is 76. I'm doing an outro for part one of top five movie confrontations with Chris and Robin. Um, my favourite movie confrontation is when I got one of my mates to film me confronting Chris uh, for not doing any fucking outros for this fucking podcast. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening to part one. Uh, enjoy part two if you can. You probably can because Robin's decent. Chris is shit. Oh yeah? Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print... Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.